Hey everyone, welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. Today we are going to be talking about what is your menstrual cycle? What are the four phases? We're going to be getting into all the nitty gritty and I couldn't think of anyone better than my friend Kate. So we're going to have two Kates on the podcast today. And I actually met Kate online during the pandemic and we were both just talking about cycles and periods. Kate is equally as passionate as me and I'm sure a lot of you guys about really understanding what's going on in the menstrual cycle. Um, She's a fertility awareness educator and also a cyclical strategist, which is incredible. Like, I mean, can we just talk about how if we really were taught to strategize with our cycles from day one, how different our life would be, but... Kate, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself, tell us where you are in your cycle, and then one thing you're doing to support yourself in this phase. Yay, I'm so, so happy to be here. Um, So I am in my, like, mid-luteal phase, so I'm about five days post-ovulation, which is usually one of my favorite times of my cycle, because I feel like that progesterone is rising to help you feel grounded, but to be fully transparent, um, it's it's a time right now. Um, so one thing that I'm doing to support this um, phase of my cycle is getting to sleep earlier and allowing myself more sleep in the morning. So like I am not necessarily getting up at 6 a.m. I'm letting myself sleep a little bit more because my body really needs it right now. I think that's incredible. One thing I stopped doing, and I know that it, I own my own business so I can like set my meeting schedule. But the sun, I just started leaving our windows like a little cracked and like waking up when the sun comes up and not setting an alarm because I saw my aura ring, the alarm was spiking my cortisol so much. So if you have the ability to control your meetings and just, I just time block it. I know I'm never going to wait for me personally. I'm never going to wake up past 730. Mm -hmm. Like I'll always be up before then. So I just time block it so I don't have anything before eight. And it's been really helpful. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I have a dog, so she wakes, she wakes, she's our alarm. (laughs) So funny. My dog, like, sleeps in. He's, like, annoyed when we wake him up. He's, like, a teenager. I don't know. He's a weirdo. Okay, jumping in. We're going to start with the first phase. And, guys, we're going to bust this little myth right off the bat. Your menstrual cycle and your period are two different things. (laughs) But your period or your menstrual phase is the first phase. So Kate, you want to walk us through what's going on in that phase? Yeah. Yeah. So the menstrual phase is day one of your cycle until you stop bleeding. Um, If you notice that you're spotting, so you're not really needing to use period products, that's actually still in your luteal phase. So day one starts when you actually need to use period products. So the thing that triggers the menstrual phase is both estrogen and progesterone drop before the start of your cycle. And once they get to a certain level, that is when menstruation begins. And so in this phase, you know, we have cramps. We, well, you might have cramps. Um, you might feel lower energy, um, maybe a little bit moodiness. Some people experience a lot of relief in this phase, especially if they struggle in their luteal phase. And it's really a time to slow down, to take this tender care of yourself and to really reflect because you have the ability to really connect to your intuition during this phase um and if you're if you're listening to this and you're like i don't have time to rest that's okay what does that one percent version of rest look like maybe it's just coming home at the end of the day and staring at a wall for five minutes that's rest that's great um yeah 
Yeah, that's a perfect overview because it is a time I think that society and if you look at like pop culture, like, oh, you're hormonal, you're actually not. Your period is the least hormonal you're going to be the whole month. So I love that you brought up reflection. Mm -hmm. I know. People are always like, are you on your period? Well, actually, you're probably talking about the luteal phase if you're saying that. So no, you're wrong. (laughs) I love correcting people on that. I'm like, actually on your period, you're not hormonal. And yeah. You're actually the lowest amount of hormones in your body. So get it right. So get it right. That's the late luteal phase. And if I'm in that (laughs) phase and you try to come at me with that energy, you better watch out. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What comes after our menstrual phase? So the next phase is the follicular phase. Um, It can also be called the pre-ovulatory phase because, I mean, if we want to get real technical here, the follicular phase um, is actually like the first half of your menstrual cycle, so it starts on day one. But for ease sake, it starts um, when you're done your period. And so here, um, there is a hormone called FSH or follicle stimulating hormone and that is kind of waking up these eggs that are in your follicle or the follicles that contain your eggs and your ovaries and FSH's role is to start to kind of usher them they want to start to race towards being that one chosen egg for ovulation so FSH is being stimulated And then once FSH is stimulated, then estrogen starts to rise. And when estrogen starts to rise, you may feel a little bit more motivated. Um, It's like your inner spark has returned. You have a little bit more energy and estrogen is on this kind of rise. And once estrogen gets to a certain level, then LH is being stimulated. So what LH does or um, luteinizing hormone it comes in and that one egg is kind of growing and maturing in the follicular phase. And once LH comes, it's like, hey, it's time to leave your home. It's time to go. So it kind of triggers ovulation to take place. Um, And in this follicular phase, basically what's happening is your uterine lining is growing. And so if you want to conceive in this phase, the uterine lining is becoming this like thick, luscious home for a potential baby um, and estrogen um, helps that happen. Amazing. And then I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fertile window because it actually starts before ovulation. And I feel like That's a really important thing to learn if you're trying to either conceive or trying not to conceive. You need to know it on both sides. So Mm -hmm. could you walk us through like when is our fertile window in our follicular phase and how does that relate to ovulation? Yeah. So I think one important thing to say before we get into that is if you do choose to use an app – I just want you to be aware that an app can't predict your fertile window. Um, Even something like natural cycles, when, you know, it it tells you that window when you're ovulating, a lot of those apps tell you if you're fertile or not. It doesn't actually know, so it's really important to learn the following phases, or sorry, the following signs. So before ovulation, when estrogen is rising, 
estrogen um, is making your cervical mucus actually become more thin. It may look like lotion, creamy. And once you start to see that type of mucus, that means you're in your fertile window because which I find really cool is that as soon as you have that type of mucus, sperm can suddenly live for five days. Before you have that mucus, it can't. It dies within minutes to hours. So Our bodies are you... so cool. Right? That right? is such a fun, like, cool fact about I our know. bodies. <laughs> I know. And so as estrogen rises, it's making this more, like, um, more fluid type of mucus. But as you get closer to ovulation, it's going to change and it's be- going to become peak fertile mucus, which is slippery, stretchy, clear. You know, if you um, held it in your fingers and you pulled it apart, it would like really stretch, um, which is really, really fascinating. Um, and another sign of um, being in this fertile window Um, after you start to see this like more creamy type of mucus, you can start taking LH tests and or ovulatory or ovulation testing kits. And you basically pee on a stick every morning and it tells you if your LH is at a certain level. Once you get a positive test, that means your egg is probably going to be released within the next 48 hours. So we're really starting to narrow down our fertile window. And then we confirm our um, ovulation, that ovulation actually did take place once we um, see our temperature rise post-ovulation because progesterone actually um, heats up our body a little bit. So there's a slight rise in our temperature and once you've seen a rise in your temperature for about three days, then you can confirm ovulation and then your fertile window closes. I know, but all of that information is so important to know because we're not really taught that. And then I feel like that's why we all think like we can get pregnant every single day of our cycle. And that's super scary when you're trying not to get pregnant. And then that's super misleading when you are trying to get pregnant. So like we're losing either way by not knowing that. Exactly. And and a lot of people are taught that, you know, you as soon as you see that like peak fertile mucus have intercourse if you're trying to conceive, well, you should really start be start having intercourse before that day because that, you know, your body is kind of already ready um, for, you know, the sperm to go um, and find the chosen egg. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating because I feel like we're taught that our bodies can get pregnant at any time, at any moment. Well, we actually have a lot of barriers to that. And if there's no egg <laughs> and there's not fertile cervical mucus, it's not going to happen. Exactly. And <laughs> another thing that's really interesting, and I'm glad you brought up, like if you're tracking on an app, like you cannot just rely on the app. And <laughs> you guys, I want to share this with you. So I ovulate on different days depending on what ovary is ovulating. And mine is actually like, I think we've talked about this before. Mine's like very different. I ovulate on day 13 on my um, right ovary and day 17 on my left ovary. And I've been tracking this now for, and I get like slight ovulation pangs. So Mm -hmm. I can like feel which one it is. And I talked to my doctor about it. And we've actually like mapped it out and confirmed it. So if I was just going off of an app, I would be bound to have made an error in calculation because, and I'm not saying everyone's going to be as drastically different. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do ovulate on the same day, but it can change. And oftentimes it does change month to month. So you got to be on it. 
Yeah, I um, I do use natural cycles just because I find it easy to, to you know, sync Same. to your aura ring. But this month, I ovulated about three days earlier than the app predicted. So if I had been following when it said I was fertile or not, I could have had a... a unplanned pregnancy because I was fertile and I knew that because I was looking and monitoring my cervical mucus. Yeah, I mean, it's really really important and yeah, I'm glad we spent some time on that because that's just something that I'm really passionate about educating on Me is too. like you have to know your body and like an app is not going to be able to tell you they're great tools. They are great great tools. Obviously, we both have our aura rings on. <laughs> we both use natural cycles. But if I wasn't paying attention to ovulation, like I get the little pains and then the cervical mucus, I would have never even tracked that pattern. And I've been using this as birth control for the past seven years. So yeah, yeah, just a little, make sure you're paying attention to your body. Yeah. But now let's talk about actual ovulation. So this is the lead up and you are fertile before you ovulate and then you mentioned your fertile window closing so kind of tell us how that works with ovulation yeah so the day you ovulate your egg can actually survive for you know around 36 ish hours um and so once you ovulate we kind of give ourselves three days of buffer time to confirm ovulation did indeed take place So after you ovulate, you're going to notice two things. You're going to notice that rise in temperature, um, and it's going to rise between 0.4 and 1 degree. And you're also going to notice a stark change away from peak cervical mucus. Um, And so, you know, you may be noticing on the day of ovulation that you only have clear cervical mucus, or you only have stretchy, or, you know, it doesn't have to be clear, slippery, and stretchy. It doesn't have to be all three of those. But after ovulation, it changes and it changes back to like um, either dry or like thicker. Really, it doesn't look um, quite um, as fertile because it's not. And so we give ourselves three days. And then after those three days, that's when our fertile window closes and we can't get pregnant for the rest of the cycle. Which... I find this very interesting. And this is where I feel like your cyclical strategist background will come in. I was thinking about it because I also had a really, and we're about to talk about the luteal phase. I had a really tough luteal phase. And I really think for me, when the time changes, when it gets cold, all of these things, and there's research behind it, like vitamin D, our circadian rhythm. There's reasons why our luteal phase is tougher in the winter. But I was like down this rabbit hole of why, like, I just feel sometimes my luteal phase like a troll. I'm like, why? Like, why? Like, why is this how I feel when I'm, why am I so frustrated with myself or whatever it is? And I was reading like, well, it's actually because your body, and this might not be true. So you can like, correct me. Your body doesn't want you out like looking for a new mate or like trying to get pregnant and you can't get pregnant. So your body actually is telling you it's time to like self-care, focus on yourself. Don't be worried about the external world. And I was like, that was actually so comforting to me when I was like, oh, so this is actually like a positive thing that I can focus on myself in this phase and feel good and like nourish myself. Yeah, because like if you think about it from like a biological perspective, whether we want to meet a mate, whether we want to conceive or not, our bodies are set up to 
um, try to conceive. And so when we're leading up to ovulation, we may notice that, you know, our skin is clear, we're, we're, you know, we feel better about ourselves, our hair looks better, everything just seems to fit better. But then after ovulation, your body is like, hey, I actually need you to nest. I need you to slow down. I need you to really focus on you in case you do actually end up conceiving. So it's kind of your body's way of protecting itself. So cool. Okay, now tell us about the luteal phase. What's going on? And everyone, I know that you guys submitted a lot of questions about I hate my luteal phase. I'm never going to be able to like it. And like I totally – that's a real feeling and that's very valid. But – I found when I started to understand what it was, I could make peace with it. And I think that's the goal for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like it's totally valid to not like your luteal phase, but can you find a deeper compassion for yourself and all of the different phases and sides of you? And so after you ovulate, the follicle that contained your egg actually turns into a temporary gland called the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum is the thing that produces progesterone. So without ovulation, we don't have access to the beneficial impacts of progesterone. The luteal phase gets a really bad rep, right? We all know. But the the progesterone itself is actually a natural anti-anxiety. It has so many benefits and it's really, really helpful um, for overall well-being. And so what happens is about halfway through your luteal phase, which is around 14 days, about halfway through your body gets wise that you are not going to conceive. And around that time, progesterone is peaking. After it realizes that you're not going to have a baby this month, both estrogen and progesterone begin to drop. And that drop is what they say, um, increases you know the pms type symptoms so when your hormones are dropping you know you might notice you feel um, more lethargic you um have um a lot of inner critic stuff you i mean there's 150 different pms symptoms so whatever you experience you experience right but i think it's really important to note that if you are having a really hard time in your luteal phase you know, A, um, it's not normal. PMS is not in itself normal and you can absolutely make lifestyle changes or talk to your doctor about different shifts that you can do in order to make your luteal phase a little bit easier. But what happens is if we know that progesterone is a natural anti-anxiety, you know what really dampens the impact of progesterone? High cortisol, stress. And so if you're particularly stressed, then it's going to dampen those impacts of progesterone and you're going to feel crappy because you're going to have lower progesterone levels. I am so glad you brought that up. I feel like I'm just going to say that this whole episode because you always bring up like the best points. But when I'm working with clients, low progesterone and high estrogen and high cortisol is something I feel like is my most most common client profile. And it's what I had too when I first started working on my hormones. It's wild. Like when progesterone's allowed to do its thing, the luteal phase is a totally different experience. Like, I'm not going to lie, guys. Mm-hmm. I still told you. Like, I still have that inner critic. That's probably some other work like I'm working on in therapy and other things. But it actually can be a really good phase where you're productive, where you're, you can say no and be a – like, for me, I found I actually feel like it can be a really empowering phase. But you have to let the 
progesterone takeover and high cortisol is the most underrated, under talked about hormonal mm-hmm. imbalance that period. Like that is what causes majority of the issues of the people I work with. Yeah, exactly. And like when we have when we can actually let our luteal phase do its thing, we can notice we have this ability to look at our lives and be like, what's working, what's not. We have the ability to really set boundaries for ourselves. And it's kind I kind of think of the luteal phase as this like fierce protector of ourselves. Like it gets really, really clear very easily, very quickly about what's working and what's not. If over a couple of cycles, you're like, oh, like, I do not like my partner or I hate my job. Well, is there a mini truth to that? Are you being underappreciated in your relationship? Or are, are there certain types of your work life that you're not liking? Or are you not caring for yourself in a deep capacity? There's, instead of thinking of the luteal phase as this constant like monster, can it actually have some wisdom to it if we allow ourselves to listen? Yes, that is amazing. And like when you start thinking about your luteal phase like that, like I love the way you said fierce protector because I do feel like that's what the luteal phase is. Like you're so right. Like if those things keep coming up and they're they're consistent every cycle that you're dreading or that are really bothering you, like listen, your body mm-hmm. is smart. Your mind is smart. Your cycle is smart. Like it knows. It knows it probably more than you're letting yourself know. And I will just note that, like, if you're noticing right after ovulation, you are experiencing a lot of depression, it is overwhelming, you have a lot of anxiety, again, not normal, Um, you may have something called PMDD, um, and you should definitely talk to a doctor because feeling that way in half of the month is, is... is not a way to live and you deserve to to seek that support um for it to not feel that way that's such a good point too because we're menstruating for over half of our lives and Mm -hmm. and then if half of that you're not feeling yourself like you deserve to feel like yourself and find a doctor that listens to like there's a lot that can be done and Mm -hmm. if you hear nothing else this whole episode is that you really deserve to feel good your whole cycle and look each phase is different and we might have favorite phases over others, but each phase has a really valuable place and your cycle actually can be your superpower if you let it. Exactly. Exactly. That's my whole thing. <laughs> I know. I love it. Um, honestly, that's it because I think that's a lot of amazing information yeah. for everyone to digest, but I did want to give you the chance to just say like, what's one thing you can think about for a minute too that like if people hear nothing else and like just miss or any kind of misconceptions you hear, especially on the internet, you do an amazing job educating on TikTok and Instagram. What do you just like want to get across to people? Like what's something that you're always just like, ah, I wish everyone knew this. Yeah. Um, something that I wish everyone did um, was track their cycle. Um, I think that tracking your cycle, and I don't necessarily mean just in an app, I mean, you know, writing down a couple of words each day that represent how you feel. I believe that by tracking, we kind of get this cyclical blueprint of ourselves because no matter what you hear on the internet, no matter what I'm saying now, every single menstrual cycle is deeply unique and each has their own power. And so when you can actually 
track your cycle, gather that data into you, you no longer have to actually follow what everyone else is saying. You can start to tailor your life to your cycle and what you need in each phase instead of kind of just going off of the general information out there. Um, Because at the end of the day, your menstrual cycle can be a source of your wisdom, your strength, and a guide and portal towards your future self. Amazing. And Kate educates a lot about this online and I am going to link because like that reminded me of all your amazing videos that are just like so empowering and easy to understand and digest. So I'm going to link your Instagram and your TikTok and all of your resources in the show notes so you guys can connect directly and learn on a daily basis. But also like share this with your friends, send this episode to your friends because if every single person in your life whether they have a period or not knew all of this, could you imagine what a different world we would live in? Mm-hmm. Like totally different. If everyone knew this information. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, that's all for today. We appreciate you guys listening. Kate, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and just, and for all the work you do, like educating people, sharing this wisdom. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And next week, guys, we are talking all about cortisol. So make sure to turn it, tune in next week because that was not planned, but it's a perfect segue. Next week is all about how to identify high cortisol and lower cortisol naturally. So thank you all for listening.